Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 57. And today's episode is brought to you by Ahead in 100. This is our group coaching program where we help you get ahead with your money in 100 days. This program used to be called the Money Mastery Class, uh, and we did that class uh, about seven times over the course of a few years. And it was great, and we had a lot of success, but we ended up taking a lot of those learnings and have repackaged and rebranded this program into a a three-month or 100-day program to really um, give you a lot more access to myself and uh, the other coach that we have in our program to really help you actually get a handle on your money and finally start to get ahead. So if that sounds interesting to you, something you would like to check out, it's currently not open, but it will be opening soon. You can go to aheadin100.com and sign up for the wait list to be the first person to know when we open things back up. Okay, so to kind of get us into today's episode, I want to open with a question. A curious question. A curious question. And that would be, if you were to put um, a dollar value on a purchase, like if you could somehow, if you could somehow rank your return on value, this is kind of a... Okay, are you trying to ask, does the price match the value that you're getting from it? Yeah, I guess. But like you mentioned, it's a return on investment, but because you're not actually getting dollars back, it's more like if you could somehow if you could somehow measure your level of enjoyment or value from a purchase mm-hmm. and you then denominated that on a per dollar basis. Denominated. What would that, what, what, what would be the, you know, the highest value purchase you've made is essentially the question. If you could look in your reports and do a per value, per dollar value of every single purchase, how would they end up ranking? That's the question. And in particular, like your fun purchases. Yeah, discretionary. Discretionary yeah. spending for sure. Where this came up, or the reason we brought this up is, so what, like maybe a month ago now, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, our nephews in town. They were here for four or five days. Yeah, and we kind of mentioned this on a previous episode too. Like we took them to do several things. Yeah. We, and there was, a, there was a general pattern that we noticed. There, there was a general pattern. So for context, right, so our nephews are 15... Five or six? Five. Fifteen, five, and three, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we've got a decent age spread, but certainly the five and three-year-old, you know, they like doing the same kind of stuff. So over the course of the, the couple of days, you know, we we took them to the park, the local park. They have like some water features and stuff too. So it's super fun. There's all stuff for them to climb on, other kids to hang out with. We took them to play pinball one day. We took them to get ice cream and popsicles from a ice cream shop. Uh, and then we also, uh, your parents brought down a like one of those little blow up. Yeah, just like an inflatable like pool. Like inflatable 10-foot pool. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things we did over the course of the week. And specifically, the one day that we did basically all these things. We went to the park, did the pinball, did the ice cream. We were walking back home, and I, I asked them, what was the most fun thing we did today? Out of the park, the pinball, and the ice cream, it was the park for sure. So then I asked him, what was the the next most fun thing? If you don't count the park, what was the next most fun? And it was the ice cream, going to get ice cream, getting a popsicle. And I said, okay, what was the the last fun thing? And they were like, ah, oh, pinball. It, they had fun at pinball, but 
They had more fun at the park and the ice cream. That is not how those things would rank if you were ranking them from... A price or expense standpoint. Yeah. And so that's what (laughs) Hannah and I were laughing at was like the pinball was the most expensive. We spent a good bit of money going to the pinball place and, you know, doing all the quarters for lots of games of pinball. Pinball's expensive. It ended up being... It's around here. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot more expensive than we, I think, anticipated. I thought this would be like one quarter per game. Yeah. Well, and Four. it's like a it's like a dollar, and yeah. then you know the five year old loses in like two seconds. So yeah. then he's like, "Oh, well, I'm play again." Two, let's be fair. Yeah, <laughs> but so you know, then the ice cream. I don't know. We spent ten or twelve bucks on ice cream, and then the park, you know, was free. And so we were just laughing at how, like, with kids, they're so disconnected from the money that doesn't weigh into the decision at all. It was just like, what was the most fun, and. It was just funny that they had it in reverse order in terms of money spent. Well, and in general, I think that we tend to get too elaborate with like what we think we need to do for kids. Yep. And so I find myself doing this like, oh, if the nephews are here or whatever, I want to do something like big and special and exciting. And, And really, when it comes down to it, they would rather go to the park right down the road for free or play in the pool in the backyard in the backyard and and that they would rather do that than yep. just about anything and certainly when they come to visit us we want to be like the super fun aunt and uncle who are like always doing cool things and they want to come visit and it's just funny that as adults i think we think that you have to spend money in mm-hmm. order to do that or at least that's the default and this little experience was just such a little eye-opening moment of how that is just so not the case yeah but it got us thinking because you know, kids are just like a more exaggerated version of how we are. Totally. And so I think when when we've thought back on like the trips that we've taken that were the most fun or the date nights that we've gone on that are the most fun, it's normally not the ones that are the most expensive. Yeah. It's normally just the opposite. Our cheapest trips are some of the ones that we've had the most fun on. Yeah. Certainly they're the ones that we look back on and, you know, remember the most and have the most stories from. Why do you think that is? Like when I think about that, I think it I think it comes down to uh, what was that little equation from um, Morgan Housel's book? Like happiness is just um, expectations minus, minus reality. Reality. Okay, so or maybe no, it's, it's reality minus expectations because that because that's how you get a positive number. Okay, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <Nerd>. but when <laughs> you take that idea, when you take that idea and think about would we do these like big trips i think we put like or big activities or big whatever huge expectations on yeah yeah and then normally they end up not living up to them whereas like when we're just chill and relaxed and doing the pool in the backyard or whatever you kind of end up getting to the end of the day and going like oh wow that was fun everybody had fun everybody's tired and i think good to go i think that's definitely a, a piece of it because i think most people can relate to, especially with kids, giving a kid a gift for their birthday or like Christmas and you putting a lot of expectations like, oh my gosh, they're going to love this thing. This is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And you kind of really build it up. And then all of a sudden they like really don't care or they, some other gift that was like a 10% of the price is the one they actually really like yeah. much better. Or in the case of like the youngest, you know, he just likes the box that the gift came in anyway, more than, than the actual gift itself. So I think I've heard a lot of people talk about this too, when it comes to like getting wrapped up in the, in the vacation trap and like yes. feeling like you have to do big vacations and then kind of having the realization like, Oh, Hey, we can have a staycation where we just do some little things 
around where we live and it actually ends up being like just as much or more fun and like more relaxing and whatever. So nothing wrong with vacations or more elaborate purchases or experiences or any of that stuff, but just recognizing that you don't have to do those things to get enjoyment. I think the other piece of it, and this is, I mean, I'm theorizing here, but I think the other piece of it is when you aren't just using money to throw at something to like get enjoyment, you're forced to sort of be more creative. So you're working a a different muscle because now you're going like, oh, how can we, how can we do something fun without spending a lot of money? And now your creativity has to sort of come out. And I was reading this Twitter thread actually last week from this guy who was saying, he kind of was sharing a story about how he grew up in um, a fairly poor family and and living um, off mostly like food stamps and government assistance and just not really having a, a ton. And they never, ever went to a movie growing up. He was like, we never went to the movies. I had friends at school that would go to the movies and tell me about it. That was never a thing that I ever got to do. But one time my mom kind of really went all out to try and give us this experience. And when I got home from school that day, she had turned our living room into like this mock movie theater with like cardboard boxes with signs and like set up some chairs and she um, made popcorn and then like had made little mock movie tickets out of uh, pieces of paper. And, you know, when they, when the kids got home, she like gave him these, you know, little movie tickets and they set up a big thing and it was a whole family. And he said, that's the best movie experience I've ever had in my life. You know, even obviously today I've been to the movies or whatever. And I think stuff like that is like forced creativity that a lot of us think you just have to default to spending money in order to have fun. Um, And to your point, kids really exemplify how not true that is necessarily. Yeah. So now that we've kind of had like that general conversation around that, do you want to just straight up answer the question for you like okay so if you put a dollar per value is that the right way to ask that It'd be a value, you're, making, you're making my head hurt with it's these. a value per dollar okay, how much value, value are, are you getting out of the dollars that you're spending well i'm just looking at what you wrote here it says dollar per value so <laughs> i just read the teleprompter um <laughs> Okay, so if you put a value My per dollar, name is Ron Burgundy. Okay, if you put a value per dollar on purchases, uh, what has brought you the most value? You want to say like in the past year? Yeah. Like what's I, your favorite? I mean, one of the things that immediately comes to mind. We've talked about this at length on the podcast, but one of the things that comes to mind is for sure getting coffee and walking. What about like an item though? That's what's really your, hard to beat. Yeah, but like before we get into that, what's your favorite? Just like straight up, like purchase. Yeah. If we think about non non-investment item, right? Because I could I could be really, I could Are you cheat. seriously about to give an investment? You, well, my point gonna... is like, oh, I bought this computer and I use that to run our business and make money. Uh, so, you know. Okay. I thought you were going to be like, cheating. I put this much money in our form. I was like, <laughs> that's not the point of the question. No. The, so <laughs> if I think about an item that is not used for business, um, one of the first things that came to my mind is my wallet that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Like I have this really nice, like $80 leather wallet from this YouTuber who I love called Little King Goods. And I use it every day. And every time I pull that out, I, I like really the wallet, enjoy it. But I hate it. how tiny that wallet is. I love is. how tiny it's it so is. It's so easy to lose. He almost loses this wallet like every time we go That's out. That's not like, true. I love this wallet. I know, where, I know where it is. It's in like one of three places in the house. It's always in one of those three spots. Okay. The point is though, on a dollar, on a value per dollar basis, 
that one's really high for me because I love it and I use it all the time and I really do enjoy it every time I pull it out and look at it. I'm glad you like it. What about you? Um, I think yours. What? What are you going to say? You think I'm going to say it might be those pants, but that's just because you got like oh a psycho gosh. deal yes, on those pants. Yes, that is so true. My pants that I talked about on Stuff an earlier like. episode. Yeah. yeah, but that's almost like kind of cheating. They were like too good of a deal. Yeah. My $1.97 pants, I got three pairs. I, I literally <laughs> wear them every day. That is not a lie. <laughs> like it's kind of embarrassing. It's a good thing we don't see that many people every day. Um, but yeah, that, that was a good one. I was going to say um, my like antique bargain type finds, you know, like my little $15 thrift store chair. It's a really good. And that's a good one too, because it's also, um, this is kind of like an experience. It totally is. Because it's the thrill of the hunt for you. It absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So now if you want to get into like your eating out and coffee shop thing, we've, we've, I feel like we've kind of beat that Horse, yeah, but. I, I think so. You know, I don't know that we have to talk about that example a lot. We've we've mentioned it many times. I think maybe the way to think about this exercise is uh, if you are tracking your money, uh, if you're not, you should be. But if you are, you know, go into your budgeting tool, whatever you're using, or, you know, even just go to your bank statement or your most used credit card and just start looking at the transactions for the last 30 to 60 days and ask yourself when you look at where you've spent money. What are the things that are jumping off on the page of going like, oh, that was worth it? Like I would have paid, knowing what I know now about that that purchase or experience, I would have paid a lot more because it was awesome. Versus when you look at other purchases, you go like, mm, you know what, on a on a value per dollar basis, I just did not provide the amount of value that you know I really wanted compared to some other things. Yeah, with the goal being over time that. Certainly with your, you know, big purchases, sure, but really mostly with your discretionary spending, the stuff you're doing day in, day out, you are able to, in the moment, start noticing patterns and be able to make quicker, better decisions around when you make a purchase on Amazon or out to eat or wherever, knowing like, oh, this, I I feel confident this is going to really deliver on what it is I'm really trying to want here. Versus when you're like, you know what, last time I did something like this, it just did not deliver the value um, per dollar that I really, really would like. I think one of the things that's helped us get better at this is having that kind of really low amount of spending money that we've had for like a while. And I say that and that's kind of a misleading thing to say, because really all that means is that we've gotten really dialed in on where we want our money to go. So we are spending on fun things outside of our fun money. Yep. But we're designating those dollars ahead of time. So whether that's eating out or taking some sort of art class or something, we're really dialed in. On that. So the amount of, hey, I'm just out walking around and found something random that I want to buy money that we have in our budget, we keep that pretty low. Yeah. But when I have, so we have like $30 per month as our individual. Well, hey, now we're getting getting a raise next month. Oh, yeah. Nick just gave us a raise. We're going to 35. So that's exciting. (laughs) So I've got five more dollars. Anyways, having that amount of money, though, it's made me really think through how I want to spend it. So if I'm going to spend $35 on clothes this month, do I want to go buy one particular piece of clothing from a nicer store? 
Or do I want to go to some of the consignment stores around town and like see if I can find a few different pieces that I might want to buy and enjoy wearing? The answer is different every month. You know, some months I want to save up for a few months and then buy one really expensive jacket or, you know, purse or whatever. And then I say super expensive, super expensive for me. It's like relative. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is, to to your point, right, the reason that we keep our spending money low-ish relative to income is because, to your point, we spend a good bit of money on what other people would consider fun stuff, and we just budget and allocate for it. So, like, hobbies, literally, we don't run hobbies, for the most part, through our spending money. We just both have hobbies that we've talked about and said, these are important. We want to set aside money to do those things. So we make them come out of the main budget. Um, and then spending money is really just very small discretionary stuff. Yeah. But like really thinking through the experience, because that's, t- for me at least, that's where a lot of the value per dollar comes from. And so like I really enjoy the experience of going to our local bookstore and like buying books yeah. and going to, we have this like really cool plant store close by and I like love going there and like finding a plant um, or a plant accessory. Um, so I know, I guess I've like really pinpointed ways where I'm like, I get enjoyment out of that purchase before I make it because like I look forward to going to the store and like looking for that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And then I continue to enjoy it once I've bought it. Your plants are, I mean, honestly, that's probably one of your biggest value per dollar purchases here recently. Because I feel like every time we come home from being out somewhere, you walk in the front door and the plant that we have on our front porch, you're, you always are like, oh, look, it's like turning again because it like turns to towards the sun or whatever and then you like turn it yeah plants are just fun and then it's like turning this Nick way was really backwards. generous and said the plant that i have on our front porch oh yeah you have three right or four <laughs> i don't know you got a bunch i don't know the big going. one that keeps turning yeah. is you're always like oh look it's so cool and like it wasn't even that expensive but the amount of enjoyment that it still brings you um it's pretty awesome well, they just look so homey yeah so yeah yeah they have they've been a good Whereas going back to like the nephew thing, the fleeting experience of pinball. Now, for some other people, pinball might have been amazing. And if they if they were still like, oh, that pinball place was awesome. And they were still like talking about it. And it was like a really cool thing. And they loved it. We would totally go again. Yeah. But they just weren't that into it. Yeah. I feel like our nephews would be like, what? Pinball? We played I, pinball? I don't even remember it doing like that. Yeah. Two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, for, for them, it's like, okay, great. Like, that's not something we're going to do again. Well... The other thing that gets really tough with kids, and this is maybe a little off topic, but it's just the way life is. Part of why I wanted to go play pinball was because we had been at the park for hours and it was burning up hot. I was like, I am crying uncle. Like I need to go somewhere that is indoors that they will still be entertained. Like, and so sometimes you're willing to pay for things just for that. Yeah. I think it's helpful to have that awareness. So like know what you're paying for. You know what I'm saying? So so if you're choosing to use your money in a way that maybe isn't the highest yes. value per dollar, 
just be aware and don't don't look back on it and go like, oh, gosh, I wish I had spent money on that. Yeah. So I guess that's really kind of the point that we're getting at. Yeah. Well, that, that actually kind of perfectly goes into what I wanted to say next, which is when you're thinking about using your data to actually look back on and then be able to make decisions in the future, the point is not to regret. So uh, to your point, I don't look back on the pinball thing and go like, oh, man, I wish we hadn't done that. I'm like, yeah. no, like I get why we did it. Uh, we tried that out wasn't a big thing. We won't go back. We'll do something else next time. Mm -hmm. So we learned. What I was going to say was, though, one of the questions that comes up when I'm working with people through this process is if I'm creating a budget, let's say I'm using, you know, YNAB or Mint or some other Excel spreadsheet, but I'm creating some sort of budgeting tool and I'm trying to decide how detailed I want to get with my category structure, right? Some people are going to have, I mean, literally 100, 200 categories. They're tracking all kinds of crazy stuff. Some people, the other extreme, I've seen budgets where people have like three categories, bills, discretionary spending, and then like savings. That's it. So you can go super detailed. You can go super minimal or somewhere in between. The more detailed you go, the more time intensive and like, you know, difficult it is to maintain. So the trade-off you're trying to figure out is how detailed do I really need to get to get the data that I want? And the answer to that question is... Will you use this data in the future to potentially change behavior? Like only get super detailed in areas that you know, oh, I'm going to want to look back on this and then decide whether or not I was truly getting the value out of that. So I'll give two examples, one where we don't really track super detailed and then one where we do. So a place where we don't track that detailed is with our pets. Our pets bring us, I mean, on a value per dollar spent, they probably are the highest thing we spend money on. Um, our pets bring us so much joy and so much love that we pretty much know that certainly when it comes to their livelihood, their food, and their vet, we're going to pay whatever we need to pay. And so we don't break out different categories for things like grooming and toys and food and vet. We have one line item called pet expenses, and we just know that we don't actually do a lot of like accessories like toys and stuff. Pretty much all we buy is their needed we stuff. We buy high quality food. High quality food. We take them to the vet. We take them to the vet. We get them groomed. We get them groomed. We keep Soresto collars, all that stuff. So all of that, we don't care to break out the different details because we're not going to use that data yeah, to change like behavior. Yeah, we're going to cut any no, of No, we're not going to cut any of it. Mm -hmm. And so... All we need to know is the average monthly amount so that we can make sure that we budget enough for it. As long as we know our average, we're good to go. Now, a place where we recently did go extra detailed is we tried out a, uh, a grocery delivery service. And we were trying to see if the amount of money that that delivery service cost was worth it, basically. You know, were we happy with the food and the way it came and all the stuff, yada, yada, yada. And so we, we didn't want to just lump that into our groceries. groceries category and get buried under our normal groceries. So we created a brand new category to try and track the spending associated just with that company. We tried it out for like a month. And ultimately, we decided that for us, the value for the amount that it cost was not there. So we ended up deciding to not do that. And we've gone back to just doing our normal grocery stuff. But we wanted that detail and we knew that we would use that data to potentially change behavior. Now, if we ended up loving that company, and we stuck with it, then eventually I might have just, just rolled that, that up, into... rolled that up into groceries. Yeah. But because we were trying to figure things out, I wanted the detail to make a decision. I think maybe a little summary on like a good way to think about that is 
let's say you start out at a very general tracking budget, like no detail at all. Then when you're looking back at that, what are the things that bother you about it? So maybe it's, maybe you're lumping all your food into one category and you're like, oh my gosh, how are we spending that much on food? Okay, well then from there, you could start breaking out like, okay, well here's eating out and here's grocery shopping. Yep. And then if you start looking at that and you're still like, oh my gosh, how are we spending that much on eating out? You know, okay, well then maybe you break that down further into takeout and then like eating at restaurants. Look at what bothers you yeah. and then go into more detail. No, I think, I think that's perfect. It's that sort of gut check where you go like, Oh, what? Yeah. We're doing that. And like you said, let it evolve. So, you know, if, if you get that to a place where it doesn't bother you anymore, maybe you go to less detail in that area and then start focusing on another area, um, and, and just let it change and evolve with kind of your, your life. Yep. No, I think that's perfect. And really like the whole point of this conversation is, keeping your budget from feeling restrictive yeah. because the higher you can get your value per dollar, then the more money you can save without feeling like you're not getting to have any fun. Right. And we like having fun. Yes, we do like having fun. And you know what else we like? What do we like? Stuff we like. So this week, uh, what I wanted to share that I'm liking is Nick Huber on Twitter, but also his podcast, Um, he has a Twitter handle called sweaty startup, which I just think is clever, but basically his shtick, if you will, is there's a lot of people on the internet these days, especially on social media that are sort of promoting, you know, side hustles and, um, starting a business and doing all the stuff and using the internet, which obviously we're fans of, like, that's what we do. But in that sort of world, he has this sort of contrarian point of view where he's constantly showcasing cool businesses, cool investment opportunities, cool like side hustle things that are more traditional because a lot of people have overlooked that stuff or in some places even looked down on that stuff, being a plumber, right? Uh, Working a trade, getting your hands dirty. And Nick really does a great job highlighting how great those opportunities are and how much money can be made doing that kind of stuff. His core business is he owns a ton of storage units um, and he has a podcast called the Nick Huber podcast or Nick Huber show. It's H-U-B-E-R is his name um, where he kind of gives you behind the scenes looks at getting into real estate, you know, being able to invest in that way. It's just really, really cool. And he breaks it down and he's sort of a, a nice voice that is contrarian to some of the rest of what you see sometimes in the internet finance space. So I've really enjoyed him. If you've ever thought about uh, getting into real estate investing, if you've ever thought about starting something on the side to make a little bit of extra money, uh, you should check him out. He's got a cool podcast. He's got a cool Twitter handle. Uh, I really enjoyed his stuff. All right. We're going to switch it up and I'll do our little summary. Ooh. Ooh. Will you summarize it for us? Yeah. Okay. So the challenge is to look at your budget And ask yourself, like, if I put a dollar, if I, no, if I put a value per dollar on my purchases, uh, what's brought the most value to me? And so the whole point in doing that is to really get your budget to where it's efficient. And what do we mean by that? 
We mean that you can spend and save money in a way where you're still getting to enjoy your money today. I think that's the power of this exercise is really getting clear on how you enjoy spending your money so that you don't feel so restricted when you're trying to stick to a budget. As always, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.